0: Line obsessed with her, but whatever. I was just for this. And you a cup of my blood? Did you get my blood? Hello. Here we are. <clears throat> it's Excuse
1: Monday. D- do I know you? No, but that's who you are. You're there. <laughs>
0: What is going on? It's Monday night. Snakes and Stogies episode 178. Why do you Phil, looks surprised by that? It's just crazy.
1: 178 episodes. Wild.
0: Oh, we got episode 200 of THP happening. Hopefully this week. It's not going to happen Thursday because Jake felt it more important that the Green Bay game was coming on at the same time we usually record. So. He's like, can we do it Wednesday or Friday? And then I said Wednesday, but then now I think about it, I don't know that Wednesday's going to work. So it might be Friday, and I don't know if Friday's going to work. So we'll have to see. But the boy the boy takes his – the man takes his uh, his Green Bay football very seriously. Yeah, man,
1: he's, a, he's definitely a cheesehead.
0: He's a nerd. Through, through and through. Sports ball. Sports. Yeah,
2: sports, man.
0: As the Broncos hit a couple – Hit a couple touchdowns.
2: Three pointers, I think. That's right. Yeah,
0: that's right. And from the penalty box, field goal. Should be a Bears fan. That might be fighting words. I don't know. Do they have like gang esque rivalries up there about that kind of stuff, right? It's like murder
1: in the streets. I don't know, man. I'm disconnected.
0: Yeah, the pro ball thing doesn't, doesn't do a whole lot for me. I don't pay attention to it pretty much at all. But
1: <clears throat> All I know is the Dolphins did something monumental last night, and I was the asshole who didn't really you, care you, too much. You didn't
0: watch <laughs> Ray Finkel reclaim his glory? Laces,
1: Laces
3: out. out.
1: <laughs> uh, that's how you know it's a nerd show, when like, <laughs> the Dolphins actually do something legitimately monumental, and the best we can do is make an Ace Ventura reference. Yeah.
0: I was dying, man. One day, because I was working at the the shop, and Roger was working. And Roger is originally from India; he's an American citizen now, and speaks English and everything great, like you you wouldn't know it. But uh, uh, we were talking about football, and I was like, "Man, you don't just like you remember Ray Finkel?" And he's like, "No, who's that?" <laughs> I like legitimately had him sold on the fact that Ray Finkel was like a real football player.
1: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> it was it, it was great. Just went right over his head.
1: That's fantastic. Uh,
0: But we're here. This episode is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Whether you need a rack, whether you need a cage, Black Box Cages. Use the code THN at checkout. Get yourself a little bit of money shaved off. Uh, If you're going to get a rack, I mean, XR-16s, XR-20s, perfect for upgrading things as you go without having to get an entirely new rack. I feel like that's a severely... yeah underappreciated aspect of that rack is like you can get a bunch of hatchlings in that rack and then as they grow or as you decide what's a hold back instead of having to completely shift them to a new rack for a bigger tub you just swap out the tub and they are interchangeable so you can i mean except for the v35s um like you can rock an 18 with one of the smaller ones you know you can you can make it work and uh I, I think that's a pretty big deal with a rack because who wants to buy a rack every time they gotta upgrade animals? That's you know? very so. true.
1: And then you have an or better yet, you have an empty small rack and yeah. you feel compelled to fill it.
0: That yeah, that couldn't be a problem <laughs> for some people. I don't know. It could. It could.
1: Is there it does black box make and, and I may be talking out of my butt on this one, but does does black box make a a rack that you can switch it from long ways to horizontal and use the same tub.
0: Uh no. Okay, I've because th- so, I've asked Jen about some of the like thirty-two quart ish stuff because the right. the one from the from the one company I really dislike it comes out sideways. It's not long ways, and I like that, especially if the tub doesn't have feet. But this one does, so I'll just go deal with it. Yeah. Um, with the bigger tubs Not necessarily the 32 cords or whatever But anything like a V70 going in sideways They said the, the middle will bow If there's too much length and not enough support In uh, okay. the middle of it So they're like we don't do bigger tubs Sideways like that because it just doesn't Doesn't work out <clears throat> Okay
1: I just didn't know if there was one Where it's like you have three Long ways Or you could take those three out and put one Long horizontal one I didn't know if that was a thing
0: I mean, I'm sure you could put some of the like the smallest V-Series V, v series tubs in long ways in the rack if you wanted to. Yeah. I don't know why you would, but footprint-wise, it should be the same, if I'm not mistaken. But Interesting. All right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great stuff. Love cages, love the racks. I have both. If you like both, get both. If you like racks, get racks. If you like cages, get cages whatever rustles your jimmies floats your whatever boat. floats that boat uh and then full dot we have our first international sale as of the other day i finally got the whole international markets thing figured out and so i got some shirts going to france here in the next couple days that's pretty awesome and uh yeah so if you're listening and you're outside of the u.s and you want some fulvia stuff a very large majority of companies I ha- or countries I have it set to be able to ship to. So if you're in those and you're listening and you wanted some shirts, you should be able to place an order now. If you go on there and you can't, please message me and let me know so I can get it figured out because the whole thing has been very confusing. And I'm still not entirely sure I know what I'm doing. But,
1: but you also have some wonderful hats as well.
0: I do. I have one Sabacc hat left out of the bunch. I ordered, I was just telling Jeff before we started, um, I ordered more hats, just have to get them embroidered. And as I was saying, just as we were starting as well, because we have that third machine at work that is going to be pretty much dedicated to nothing but hats, I'll be able to get them in a little more regularly, be able to do them a little more, like inventory will be a little more steady with those because it's not going to have to stop and tie up another machine at work uh, and get in the way of like day to day orders if that makes sense, so yeah yeah it's a little uh a little less stressful, and the new machine now, if anybody noticed, uh, the way it was set up before, like my hat or like phil 's hat, the older machines you couldn't go over this seam in the middle on these structured hats because it 's too stiff uh, on the new machine, it doesn't care at all it will it does a bigger right across the top. Where am I turning? Right here. Nope. What? Okay. Right. It'll it'll do the full the full thing. So the the embroidery is is bigger, better, same hats and everything, uh, and that machine just does not care. It's great. Doesn't stop it a bit. So I'm gonna Good get stuff, inventory man. updated on those. I think what I'm gonna end up doing is like probably just ditching the flex fit hats and stuff. And switching to the same, like the one that you're wearing, Phil. That same model. That's a Sport Tech snapbacks. Just keep it easy. If someone insists on getting a flex fit or something, I can order it, do like a special order kind of thing. That's that's fine. Uh, we have not tried Richardson's on it yet, but if it can handle these, no problem. Then I'm sure the Richardson's won't be a problem. Uh, but my my coworker has a has a vendetta against richardson's because of these older machines and it's struggling so much on them so we'll see i've been trying to coax her into giving a richardson a shot and seeing what happens but just haven't had the time so but uh i got some some new new shirt stuff i need to i've been working on some art um yeah jeff yours should be there i don't know it said to be delivered before eight Jeff got some PSP hats, and they look—they look look real good. Um, I don't know what time is it there. It's like seven, right? Six, six ten? Yeah, six. We'll see. It should be there. I don't know. The post office can be pretty pretty, can be squirrely. So, Uh, speaking of Puget Sound pythons, also check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Watch their their journey with the Dorianus. It's been pretty cool to watch them just hit the ground running. Pretty and, awesome, yeah. And it's sort of like the ideal scenario, honestly, with the the whole thing where it's just it been... is, man. It's at the house. Kendra's testing it out. No, I'm no, gonna no, get off till eleven. Oh, I got you. Okay. So they have them. Cool. I'm sure, they'll post nice. about them. Um, but yeah, give them a follow on Morph Market as well. Hunt them down. See what they've got uh, up for grabs. And stay in uh, in the loop as far as what's available. And then, last but not least, cold blooded caffeine. It's delicious. What we've got coming down the pipe is pretty legit. Having tasted it myself, I am pretty damn damn impressed.
1: Dude, the the aroma, opening the box, before we even opened. Any of the prototype samples, the aroma, the effervescence of it just just captivates your soul.
0: It smelled like burnt peanuts to me. Little like burnt peanuts, a little earthy.
1: Dude, I just I just melt. I melt with that fragrance.
0: I loved it. I'm not complaining about it. It smells great. And then it it flavor wise, like on the palate, it's very different. It's very very unique, so very the OG sponsors, that's right, Jeff. Randy likes the flex fits, yeah. I'll still do the flex fits, it's just got to be like a special request kind of thing have to set that up behind the scenes. Yeah, uh, I don't know when like the official sort of announcement or release of what that is gonna be. Um, we're still working on like packaging stuff with, with the cold blooded crew, but uh, should be soon. Be on I the believe. lookout. That's right. Um, I have updates. Do you have updates? What are you smoking this evening, first of all?
1: Uh, this, well, tonight.
0: I kind of hit you with a lot there.
1: Uh, yeah, I was like, wait, what? One, two, or four? Yeah. Loading. Then, <laughs> uh, um, my last one, until I f- source more. This is the one you gave me in Daytona. Everyone knows that band. Everyone knows that band. The Roma Craft. Delicious. What, what color is that band? Is it peach? Do we call it peach? Oh, let, let, let him ignite. Let him light the fires that drive the show.
0: It's really hard to do that when there's a fan going. It's an orange band.
1: It's orange band?
0: Orange. It's,
1: it's kind of coppery to me. I'd call it a pumpkin. It is. Oh, it's very pumpkin. How Apropos. Um, yeah, RomaCraft, the best. I just I need to find it down by me, man. Nobody carries it, and it's killing me on the inside. So, and uh, Smithy's trying to light something with this fan. I'm watching the the wind take his 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 flame,
0: kicking my ass. What are you smoking, Bubba? So I went to the shop earlier and uh, felt like changing it up a little bit. Um, and we have these Fuente Rosado sungrows. Uh, which is, it's just a great, great smoke. Usually risottos, historically, I haven't been a terribly big fan of flavor-wise. I don't know. They just never really done much for me, but this Fuente risotto is very good. So I grabbed one, and then I got a My Father Connecticut as backup, but I'm kind of smoking them in reverse because typically I would smoke a Connecticut before I moved on to something stronger and more flavorful because you're not really going to taste much of this. If yeah. that's what you're going for. <clears throat> but it's been a minute since I've had one of these risottos and I I grabbed one, so a fine choice. How do you not drink coffee, Jeff? I don't I mean, I drink coffee. <laughs> I don't drink a ton of coffee, but I like I appreciate good coffee.
2: Yes. Wait, I'm, I'm not, not the uh, only Jeff that doesn't drink coffee. That's weird. I was
1: what really a I dude, freak. i I felt like you did, bro. I just I yeah. got that. We were just talking about how we're cut from the same cloth. Yeah, well. Not
0: that cloth.
2: Not that cloth. I'm I'm, at like four or five cups a day now. It's pretty bad. Jeez. I'll do just that much caffeine, but it's typically like a dark soda of some sort. Mm, Yeah. I don't know how Jeff's doing it up in Seattle area. You know, Washington with no coffee. Yeah, I was just thinking. They haven't kicked him out by now? Yeah, right. The
0: home of the Mecca of Starbucks and all things... Seattle's best. Isn't that a thing? Yeah.
1: Pikes.
2: Yeah, whatever they used to sell at borders, right?
1: Yeah, right.
0: You spell it wrong, but I forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> I mostly drink energy drinks too, but I do like coffee. Every now and then I get the I get the itch. Oh, well, Jeff, what is what are you smoking? I was just gonna say this is the
1: perfect
2: segue to introduce our Who Jeff. Yeah, I'm uh smoking a perdomo. I'm um, Justin's suggestion here. Went out lot to a cigar shop. Lot 23. Nice. Nice. Maduro. CS so yes,
1: tonight, we are joined by the one and only Mr. Jeff Frederick. Welcome to the show, Bubba.
2: Thank you very much. I wish I was the one and only. I might be able to get the email address that way. <laughs> There's a senator, first, middle, last name somewhere out there in one of those states. Really? That's disappointing. Mm. That's disappointing. That's disappointing. That's a, no, really happy to join you guys tonight, though.
0: It's cool, been man. a long time coming, but glad to yeah, be dude. here. It has been. I do like my coffee cold. So when I do drink coffee, oh. it's, it's very rarely hot. I got to be that guy. It's got to be iced or something. Even if it's wintertime, like hot coffee, no interest. Do you like hot chocolate? Yeah. I don't Look, I, I
1: love hot chocolate. I love rich, creamy hot cocoa. And what I'm about to say, people are probably gonna be like, "What the hell's wrong with you, man? That's fake bullshit." But my employer bought K cups of Swiss Miss, and I'm sorry, they're man, not like, bad, I, they're, dude. It's it's pretty they're nice. Not bad at like three in the afternoon. You want to just get a little sweet. South like, Florida, you
0: know. Dude, I'm nice, all about and, the Swiss a Nice brisk, seventy degrees on a january day exactly, exactly. got to warm up with a with a nice <laughs> nice twist mess
1: yeah do that and then like his wife got the little de uh, dehum- not dehumidified um dehydrated marshmallows you know in like the little jar those are the you best sprinkle some marshmallows bro on a nice 92 day
2: you used to be able to go in 7 711 and fill a cup with those and walk out telling them it's coffee really
0: just the marshmallows <laughs>
2: Yep, just the marshmallows. Don't need the uh, coffee. That sounds horribly good. <laughs> just
1: crunching them like. Yep. Well, I remember. Lucky Charms. Well, I was going to say part
0: of Lucky Charms. Wasn't
1: there one time when Lucky Charms did like a limited edition where it was just the marshmallows?
2: You can buy them. Oh really?
1: Oh jeez! Yeah. Diabetes in a box.
2: Pretty much, I think it comes in a bag, but 100. percent Yeah, You're yeah, gonna yeah. Lose yeah,
1: touche, yeah. yeah. touche.
2: <laughs> oh
1: man! Uh, so forgive me if I'm gonna butcher this name, but how's Appa?
2: Appa is good. Yeah, it's uh, it's Appa like Avatar: The Last Airbender. Okay, cool. He's hanging out. He's over here. Nice. Yeah, he he doesn't want to come too close to the cigar, but he'll get in front of the camera for sure.
1: Nice. Ugh. There he is. Look at that smush. There's Look at that handsome fella. Smush.
2: Yeah, he's a good boy.
1: Yeah, man, and, I, I, I saw you uh, get that inaugural post, and I was like, oh, my God, you just want to just mush the face, just squish Yeah, em. <laughs> absolutely.
2: And my, my partner loves to tell it, you know, every time, this is the second time that I've gone to the county shelter looking for a chihuahua and come home <laughs> with a big-ass bulldog. That's good, man. That's good. Uh, so is he pure English or no? Uh, no idea. He came from the, like I said, he's from the county shelter. So yeah, but I, I, I didn't know he- if they knew. Cool. Most likely in old English, I think is what they said. Um, okay. I've had an old English bulldog before; they're great. You know, much, m- much, much healthier. If people aren't familiar with the breeds, yeah. much healthier than the English bulldog. You know, they were bred to be a healthy bulldog, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but
0: those big yeah. watery eyes.
2: I know, yeah. <laughs> dude. Look at those those
1: face rolls. You just want yeah. it. it's just it. a
2: smush, and it's he will just smush. like push his face straight into you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's adorable, yeah. man. It's like adorable. how do you breathe? It doesn't matter. He <laughs> took a fifty yard dash and a thirty yard run. Nice, nice. That's great, man. Good stuff, dude. Good yeah. stuff. He's a good boy though. Yeah. For the most part. It's hard to believe I've only had him for like four or five months now.
1: Yeah, man. Time flies, man.
2: Hell yeah. Training, training, training right off the bat. You know.
1: Any idea how old he might be?
2: He was uh he was actually an owner surrender, so he's two.
1: Oh, even better. Even yeah. better, you know, you know, know the facts. It's good man.
2: Yeah, more or less. They didn't say anything about the actual breed. They were calling him an English Bulldog, but he doesn't have the right body type for it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. But. Cool, man. Cool. Good stuff.
2: Yeah, he's a hell of a dog.
1: We do love him on this show, man. Oh,
2: man. I don't know. I've heard Smitty talk some shit about his dog on the show before.
1: Dude. Smitty's my shadow, man.
2: The, <laughs> my guy.
1: Yeah, like that's his partner in crime, bro. Yeah. Now, now, uh, forgive me, I can't remember the cat's name. What was the cat? What
2: was the cat's name Archie Hector. or something? Hector. That's what Hector. Hector. Now Hector.
0: I talk shit about I've, Hector all day long. I was going to say little I've heard, his cat. I've, I've I've
1: having having have met him. I can see how it torments Smitty.
0: <laughs> I love that cat to death, but he's a he's a real pain in the ass sometimes. Because he does that cat thing where it's like if he wants something and you don't give it to him, he just starts jumping up and like batting things knowing you're going to get up and move him. Like knowing oh, you're sure. going gonna to give him what he wants.
2: You're going to break. Don't we'll tell terrorism. my dog that's a cat thing. <laughs>
0: it's, yeah, that's, Archie, that's, that's good. Archibald is an absolute angel. Archie doesn't do none of that. He sits there and looks at him and then looks at me like, oh my god, dad, it's happening. Dad, stop he, him. He is
1: He is creepily well behaved. I will say that. Who, Archie? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we got l- super lucky with him. Yeah. Like we didn't have any issues cuz he was a rescue as well. Um no issues with him like destroying things or anything like that when we first brought him home. I think he chewed on some stuff, but it was mostly a nervous that first like couple weeks of sort of settling in and but yeah, he's very much if I'm if I'm home, he's he's pretty much behind me pretty much constantly. So
1: Good stuff man Good stuff
0: What is new in South Florida
1: oh, Um, <clears throat> Not too much man Not too much I, uh, I fed everything the other day Which is unlike me I like to try and space it out To like half the room one day Half the room another day But I was like you know what I got frozen <clears throat> I got some time in the afternoon Excuse me and uh so i did and like it's a good feeling and then you remember how much work it is and i was like holy crap and i realized that because i'm enjoying my room so much more now everything is taking me longer because i'm enjoying it so like i can't just feed the baby subak i have to take 40 pictures yep. 39 of which are blurry you know what i mean like it just has to happen um but yeah i'm having fun and uh I'm trying to deck out black box cages to the best of my ability. But every time I get an idea, I'm like, oh, I could do this better. I could do that better. You know, I mentioned last week how I was messing around with some excavator clay and trying to use a little dry lock. And <clears throat> I was looking at hieroglyphic stamps online. And then I was like, man, this is really cool. I can buy these stamps and I can like make hieroglyphics. So I was like, wait a minute. I should just get really small razor blades and just try and do it myself that out that'll, that'll be the better way right right so here i am sitting there like etching like etching fake stone with a razor blade and i'm like it's one in the morning what the hell am i doing <laughs> just go to bed
0: <laughs> but just other than that man, figures playing football or something yeah
1: exactly yes yeah it's little, little 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 men
2: with little stick arms
0: doing <laughs>
1: doing the
2: Egyptian, so to speak
3: <laughs>
2: phil i'll give you a tip on that one for cutting yeah. into the foam uh, go to Michael's, Joanne's, whatever you have for arts and craft stores down there. Um, the linoleum cutters for printmaking, um, they're, okay. they fit into like a, uh, almost like a screwdriver handle with a blade on it. That's got like a V notch to it and you can just like roll it in and roll it out
0: of that. Really? Phone. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. I think I know what you're talking okay. about.
2: I know. Exa- I think I know
1: exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. My thing is though, I'm doing it into rock hard clay. Mm. So, so that's why I wound up uh, start off a
0: Dremel. Dremel.
1: I was afraid to do the Dremel um, because I feel like it would be, depending on the bit size and the bit head and then obviously the speed in which I'm, I'm Dremeling, I didn't want to take away too much too quick or make it too wide. So I figured if I just used uh, a small razor blade, then I have... Um, I actually took pottery in, in college. So I had some old pottery bladed tools and just kind of taking my time and just kind of just etching a little bit so like draw it all out with the with exacto the blade and, and a ballpoint pen and then slowly just etch away but then again i'm doing this at like 1 30 in the morning and i'm thinking to myself what the hell are you doing so i stop and throw it all on the table and walk away <laughs> but yeah the the, the the uh you said it was like linoleum cutter yeah all right i'll definitely check that out that sounds awesome because i feel yeah, like I mean- that'll still work for what i'm doing
2: yeah, and it might, and you might just have to swap out the blades more often, you know, or something along those lines. I'm yeah. not above making my own tools. Like, I, I remember carving into some foam backgrounds and stuff, and I I just wasn't particularly happy with it. So I took a hammer to a spoon and sharpened the edge of it, you know, to make my own sort of gouge for that. Yeah. I mean, hot wire cutters, good. way, way easier than something like yeah. that. But at the same time,
1: like, I'm cheap. Well, see, I bought the I bought the cheap hot wire, like not the actual hot wire foam factory branded one. I bought like the cheap yeah. one, and I mean it worked, but all I could think of was it's cutting and melting more than I want, and I'm breathing fumes. So this is I'm not
0: doing. That's this part now. of the experience. Yeah.
1: It just makes you more
2: creative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All of a sudden, your stick figures are changing and they're morphing and they're getting bigger. <laughs> And their arms go the length of the enclosure. All of a yeah, sudden,
1: yeah, man, all these Egyptians are obese. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. but other than that, man, same old on my end. What about you, gentlemen?
0: Uh, well, yesterday was day one forty-five on the Jansen egg.
1: Yes, I was. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up.
0: And after talking to Bobby Pebbles. After talking to Daniel Schwint, I was like, you guys, how long should I wait? Because 145 is kind of the the end of the range for for typical hatching time. So I was like, how many days should I wait before I cut this thing? And, And both of them basically said, I'd do it now. And I did. And lo and behold, the baby was very much close to full term and dead. So... After the long, long, multi-month wait, uh, we got close, but but no cigar.
1: Yeah, Unintended.
0: man. So it's tough, man. That uh, that was definitely a damper on my on my evening. I went to bed in pain. Um, but it's one of those things where you kind of have to again take it in stride. We've talked about it with just losing stuff in general, like do this long enough it's going to happen you just got to learn how to like figure out what you did wrong and and move forward from there and so that's kind of what i'm where i'm at now is figuring out what i could have done differently um because that thing was i won't say it was like it wasn't a a factor of it couldn't get out and it died in the egg as it should have come out this i think had another probably two-ish weeks or so of development i think to be fully formed and ready to go. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what the, uh, what the hiccup was. I'm thinking maybe next time bump the temperatures up a little bit and do a night drop. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm going to sort of look at things and talk to, I'm going to actually, I need to get in touch with Henry and ask him if he can hit up his people over, over there and in that yeah. part of the world and see what, what they do. Uh, Temperature-wise and, and incubation-wise, and maybe there's something to be picked up there. Uh, Mike asked if it was colored yet. It wasn't. It was still gray and white, which that's what makes me believe that it still had another another bit of time to go before it was fully developed. Because that green that they come out as is like the last thing to sort of show up to the party as far as development goes, <clears throat> and it wasn't there yet. There wasn't any green coming in. There was still pattern and stuff, but um, oddly enough. Like, right as I'm figuring out that it's dead in the egg, I get a text from my dad saying, I just got a corn off off Marsh Hawk Drive, which is, like, the main drag into their neighborhood. So I thought that was kind of eerie because I haven't seen even a DOR corn in that area lately at all, like, in, in a long time. And then all of a sudden, there's this perfect yearling female that my dad managed to catch. And so I felt like that was kind of like the, the reptile gods saying like you tried, you know, uh, for sure,
2: dude, for sure.
0: But I mean, I, I'm adding that, that animal to the group. It's small enough. You know, I, I, we've talked about how we're not into taking home adult animals. Um, and this looks to be a, a yearling from that was probably hatched last year. Um, perfectly perfect shape like no scars no bumps no nothing like that animal if i put it on a table you would think that it was just as captive bred as anything else um looks just like the f1s that i've produced a lot of with the ladies island stuff Um, it's
1: a killer looking animal
0: yeah yeah um so she's in the uh in the roster now um but yeah i mean next year's kind of my plan is right now is to get the adults, as far as the Jansen, I go more primed um, in hopes that I can get bigger and better clutches from her. And if I think if I have more eggs to work with, I can at least split them up, have some in the, in the room on the shelf and then some in the incubator in case and see if there's any results there. I don't know. So now we're kind of back to square one as far as the strategy and what needs to change and what needs to be adapted and it's kind of going to go from there. but
1: It's good, man. Chin up.
0: It was, I mean, oh, yeah. just getting the egg yeah. and getting it that far into incubation was a major step from last year, which was eggs that weren't fertile. So we're getting Did... closer and closer. It's just that, that you... species is, is notoriously difficult to hatch. Um, Stone thinks that there's something in, going on where, like, the egg deteriorates over time naturally and they're able to hatch easier as a result of that but there's something we're missing artificially as far as that happening um, that's at least his theory because I was cutting that egg dude I've never cut a snake egg that was that thick it was unbelievable
3: yeah
1: yeah and I noticed uh in your late or your incubation box was it just spag or was there vermiculite underneath that
0: so no it was that aquatic plant soil that i like to use oh okay Okay. um so i have that the light diffuser and then what I, i pretty much incubated it the same way i incubated the cyania babies um or eggs is like i had them on the light diffuser and then i had a clump of spag on one end of the incubation of that box just to keep the humidity sort of up and i guess kind of rotating so it's not just sort of sitting there in the you know it's at least getting absorbed yeah it's not by that spag Mm -hmm. and that worked really well for the cyania but um yeah I'm not I'm not sure because it's it's so frustrating especially when it's late term like that where you it's like you were so close like what you know, was it something I did? Was it something that just happened in the egg that you have no control over and would have happened regardless. Um and I'm sure I guess it's really no different if it was if it was an early term uh depth, but to know that you were like right there and then something went awry and not knowing exactly what that is kinda requires a little bit of detective work on, on my part and really thinking and I need to go through the mater book and look in the the section on eggs and development and learning more about exactly how that works and just a whole that's kind of like the exciting part about the whole thing though, even with a failure like that is it's now an opportunity for you to figure out what what's the missing like what's the the part that was wasn't there in the first place, like where yeah, was man. the disconnect you know yeah. I don't know I enjoy that and trying to sort of figure it out and hypothesize at least what it what it might have been, but just increases the uh the fascination with the with the species and trying to crack the code you know.
2: Yeah, man, you're on the right path yeah. for sure. When you're starting out, you know that's that's one of those things. It's like treading through a maze. You know, sometimes you got to take a few steps backwards before you can really go forward. You're talking about a species that not a lot of people is really have really bred in captivity. You know, and you're yeah. well just put, going man. with all the information that you got. That's it. Very well put. Very well put.
0: Stone Stone told me it took the Denver Zoo like four years just to get <clears throat> just to get babies hatched. Like it took them that long just to sort of get things dialed in enough to know this is what's going on, and that's why like Daniel Schwinn's been such a a big help because he's hatched probably more Jans and I at least in the states than, than a very large majority of people that have that have even attempted to breed him. Um, so clearly he's doing something right, but he just he was hatching his on the, on the shelf in his room. You know, he wasn't doing anything specific. And that's why I wonder if that night drop does make a difference. Uh, cause I was doing a night drop on the Cyania as well. I decided just to rock a, 70, a steady 78 on this. Um, maybe that was the, maybe there is something to that, that fluctuation that, that is necessary, you know? I
2: yeah. I mean, with, with, uh, a lot of snake breeders that I've spoken to one-on-one in person, you know, more experienced folks. A lot of times the thing is if the egg is good, it's going to go the distance. It, and you know, nine times out of 10, especially when you're talking about somebody that's got experience, uh, incubating eggs, nothing really messed up in the incubator. You know, you didn't forget to plug it in for 70 days or something Mm -hmm. along those lines. Um, it's a lot of times it's coming down to what's happening with those adults. You know, is, yeah, is it just a shit male? You know, sometimes that happens that's, mm-hmm. you know, you talk to a lot of condor breeders and they'll tell you they keep good males around because good males, they, you see males for, for yeah. sale all the time, but good males are worth their weight in gold. Absolutely. You know, yeah, and uh, I've had, I've had, uh, my green tree, my, my conjurer has been with Jason Balin for like two or three years now trying to get something going with, with, mm-hmm. uh, an animal that he'd had. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's just maybe it's not a great male, maybe he wasn't conditioned quite right. You know, the drops, the temperature drops, yeah. things like that. Things that we really just look over. Yeah, man, for yeah. sure.
0: And I, I mean, I really like this year in particular with the Jans and I. Like, I, I did more to sort of prep them going into like June because that's when I typically notice that I'm getting eggs. So, like, leading up to that um, is when. I was trying to feed them a little more and sort of get get the ball rolling in terms of of prepping them for breeding season and getting them sort of cycled for it. Um, yeah, but I could have done more. So next year, my plan is to feed them heavier, just sort of get them get them primed a little better than I did this round. So yeah, man. I, you know the reality
2: of it is, Justin. The thing is, you may want to just try exactly what you did again next year and see if anything changes on the snakes end that's a big piece of advice i've heard from folks like ryan young you know mm-hmm. it's like you really just you know keith mcpeak with the rhythm of the room and everything um you, you really kind of sometimes have to let them find their rut
0: yeah yeah
1: it's well put man It's well put and, and who knows man this is her first time ever doing this right
0: Second clutch that I've gotten from her first clutch was, was only three eggs, just like this clutch, but they were all duds.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could just be an age thing, man. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. It could, she just may need another year, you know?
0: It's entirely or she possible. might need
2: to settle into the conditions.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well put. Yeah, I was talking to Stone again about, about this and some other gonio stuff, and I don't remember what species it was, but he was saying one of the guys down in Texas, or whatever, was. Dabbling with the whole calcium calcium supplement thing, and 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 getting to the point where he inadvertently had mom producing chicken eggs, where it's those eggs are not going to pip like at all. Yeah. It's just like they rock out. hard. Yeah, yep. and and who knows if if that was a factor not in obviously the animal coming to term and not being able to get out of the egg, but what if that's a factor in terms of atmospheric transmission or humidity transmission or temperature transmission. You know what I mean? Who yeah. knows? You know, could, could, could be Absolutely. that, that mom made it too thick, you know?
0: Well, that's, I mean the calcium, that's why I'm, I'm hesitant to do any calcium supplementation with those. Cause it's like, those eggs are already just ridiculously thick. And I'm kind of wondering if what stone was saying about them naturally, degrading some way or another over time and so that when they do hatch they're they're actually able to get out if there is something to that um and the first thing that makes me wonder what it would be would be like the ph or acidity of a, of a given like soil or area or something um i don't know i don't know i mean it's going to require again more uh, more research and i, I definitely want to hit up henry and see if he can put some feelers out for for some of his connections over there that are that are directly either collecting these or breeding them or both and you know tell me what Yeah, they, he what he was they...
1: actually just telling me that like three or four of his buddies in Indo, let me rephrase that, in Southeast Asia I'll say. They stopped producing Indo janseni um because of issues like this. Because of the mm. inconsistencies and how difficult it is. And it's almost like, I don't want to say it's not worth their time, but they'd rather allocate that, that time and that passion to something that is a little more successful, to, at least to them. But I mean, there's obviously people still doing it. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely hit, hit him up and, and see what's what. It's funny you mentioned that because him and I were just talking about it like four days ago.
0: Well, it's odd because there's a, there's a discrepancy too with like the oxy, uh, Oxy's versus and I. Like those don't seem to be nearly as difficult to get to hatch.
1: Yeah,
0: um, Jans and I in particular, man. There's just something going on there that's not the same. Like it's just it's it's yeah. weird. I don't know exactly. I can't put my finger on it. Maybe yeah, a natural diet has less calcium, so I'm I'm thinking they probably do eat more birds uh, than than mammalian type deals. Um, I don't know if that would necessarily lead to less calcium though. Who knows? By weight, maybe because the bones are hollow. I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's that's the problem is like you when you have no information, you're kind of having to start from a completely blank slate and going from there like there's a million routes you can go and you just have to like Jeff was saying with the maze, you just got to investigate them until you kind of find the the right one that seems yeah. to add up and, and sort of follow that. And,
1: and do you have full spectrum lighting on them or no?
0: Uh, they do have UV. Uh, BNA or just... I think just B.
1: Okay, all right. Because I was going to say, I wonder if...
0: It's time to replace the bulb, so...
1: I was going to say, I wonder if that is also playing a huge factor in terms of them metabolizing, for lack of a better word, metabolizing that that vitamin D or whatever. Yeah,
2: calcifying it.
1: Yeah. You know, maybe they do need, maybe they legitimately do need some kind of UV radiation for egg production they that may not need it to live did. but
0: that was something that most told me uh you know maybe instead of supplementing with calcium directly uv you know so that it's a little more of a natural sort of sort of route um yeah. so they do they have had uv um i have to see if there's a full spectrum option for that that same unit um I'll i'm sure i'm sure Arcadia or
1: somebody does
2: arcadia does <laughs>
0: Cause I think right now it's just a shade dweller is what I put in there. But
2: I mean, that's a, that's a good bulb. It's a good fixture. I had that on my conjure. It was really mm-hmm. nice. I liked it a lot. You know, you, you mentioned something interesting about like the pH of the soil and things like that. And I think that's something that's pretty often overlooked um, with some of these animals that we're keeping. And it's always, you know, as somebody who's trying to pioneer a way forward, you really got to look at that natural history so much more. And even when we're looking at the natural history, you know, you have Kaufman and people like that going, going places and taking measurements and things. Of course, that's great. But what are the measurements that they're missing out on? You know, they're looking at what we've done for the past 20 years, which is, you know, temperature, humidity, and now we've introduced this UV index, but Mm -hmm. you know, look at, look at aquariums, for instance, you know, I used to breed some cichlids and the pH of the water could actually determine the sex of the fish determine Mm -hmm. whether it's going to be male or female, you know, or it will be a male or female heavy brood for them. So, I mean, we're, we're not thinking about it in a full circular sort of way. I think we actually could be looking at the natural history of these animals. So I would say in the sense, and I got to I got to say this for the folks playing along at home, because I'm one of those talking about Ganyasoma, uh I, in yes. this case. Yes. Um, which I don't know the common name, but it's in the red tail green rat snake family.
0: Yeah, they've got like three. So, celebs black tailed rat snake, Jansen's black tailed rat snake. So if I
2: was gonna go down that rabbit hole in that maze, I would be looking at,
0: you know, people are
2: producing um some of the other Gonyosoma species. What's different about these Jansenai in the wild? Yeah. You know, what's different? what's different in those environments and those microclimates specifically.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, is yeah. it is it something like this egg is actually supposed to get wet so that it can actually deteriorate over time like you're talking about? I mean yeah. See, that's who knows how something like that yeah in.
0: And on the Ganyasoma.org site, uh which Freight fritas wrote pretty much all the articles that are on that, because he did a lot with true gnos for a while. Um, his biggest thing was actually keeping them on the drier side because they seem to absorb water so much compared to other eggs Hmm. that he's like too much water and those things will literally get to the point to where the outer shell will start to separate from that membrane underneath that. Wow. Um, But that shell is so thick, it just sort of stretches and stretches and stretches and he's like, it'll get to the point to where it will like physically pop because there's so much pressure in there and because there's too much water. So interesting. It's weird because it's such a thick shell. And I think because their incubation time is so long that that's a reason why that eggshell is so thick is because it's built to last and survive in the elements of, of a given place. But that's why I wonder if like the pH or acidity of a, you know, of a soil is, is meant to sort of, Counterbalance that so that over time that eggshell you know that calcium and stuff has sort of deteriorated enough for for the animal to be able to get out almost like a like a timer of sorts um,
2: right because when you're thinking about it if it's more acidic you know it's going to take a bigger impact on that uh, calcified egg I mm-hmm. mean that's what acid does is it breaks down calcium yeah over
1: time. yeah you know so, is there any photos of of their eggs in the wild
0: not that I know of I've gone on iNat a few times and looked around just because I for a lot of the species I keep, I've done that just to sort of look at the environments and stuff they're in and see if there's anything noticeable in the background that sort of stands out. Um, But I have not looked for anything as far as like in situ egg deposition, you know, or anything like that. So
2: another thing to think about is you're talking about, you're saying 145 days, right? Something in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a tropical location. You know, we think about seasonality here. You know, I'm in the Northeast. I'm in Maryland. Um, We think about the seasonality here. But this is an area where you actually think of seasonality in wet and dry seasons. And 140 days, you know, you're getting damn close to a half a year. So you're going Mm -hmm. through probably at least one wet season during that period. So, you know, sometimes you think about chameleon eggs and tortoise eggs that have to go through these different climactic changes. I wonder if that's even a part of something along those lines.
1: Yeah, could very well be. Could very well be, or even like alligators, where like they won't hatch unless they're or crocodile eggs, where they won't hatch unless they get the moisture, because they exactly. know it's the rainy season or whatever. Or um, well, a fly. Then, yeah, is.
0: maybe it's a matter of like starting them off drier, and then the closer you get to that last bit of of incubation, you up that humidity. I
2: don't know. Yeah, perhaps I like I like Billy's
0: way of thinking, you know. 140
2: days put isopods in there.
0: Yeah. You got the right kind. I've used uh like dwarf whites and some others before and they don't they don't they tend to leave the eggs alone, but there's definitely a couple species that'll that'll take a chunk out of it.
2: But, you know, my humble advice just like I said before, just give it another year just like it is. You know, start playing with those variables down the road. You know, take it scientifically, see what I got you I got
0: nothing but time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: That's how you got to think about it, honestly. And,
1: and and dude, who knows? Next year she could just drop a massive clutch of normal eggs, and everything goes status quo. Could just be age.
0: Yeah, oh, there's yeah. like to say again, there's like so many different factors and so many routes that could that could lead to it. Um, yeah, uh, peat moss kind of come came to mind too. Lisa Lisa mentioned add some of that because it's super acidic. That would kind of be what my uh, that would be the route that I would go if I were going to do it. So, be interesting to at least try out.
2: A little jealous of Lisa saying that she met Ron Whitaker yesterday. It's pretty rad too.
1: I was just gonna say that's incredible. So cool, Lisa. So cool.
2: I've got a friend who gets on the phone with Nia Host pretty often, um, and I'm I'm jealous every time. You know, I'm like, if she's ever in town, you got to introduce me.
1: Yeah, that's pretty awesome as well. <laughs> that's pretty cool, man. <laughs> the stories I can only imagine.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. And so why, and this is an old timer too. So always back and forth. Oh, yeah.
0: Why are, why are conjures and rhinos the best snakes ever?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, probably because they're not. Ah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was good.
1: I was, that was, I was like, man, where are we going with this? Excellent.
2: I do love them. I love a green snake. I posted it on my Instagram. I found a little rough green the other day. Very, very tempted to keep it, but a couple things working against me there. Uh, At work, I'm on a national park property, Uh, not a national park, but a park property. And so that's very much illegal. And secondly, thinking to myself that rough greens are so difficult to take care of being insectivores and the UV. And I look at it and I'm like, I want that challenge. And I think about it in my daily life and I'm like, I do not want that challenge. Yeah. But something like rhinos, rhinos are something I'd love to get into. You know, I love the Asiatic rat snakes, always had a big love for those. Rhinos and Molendorfi. I'd love to do Molendorfi again, which is hundred flower rat snakes for those playing along. Alafay Molendorfi. Um, and uh, yeah, conjures are the shit too, but they're, you know, they're really boring snakes to keep, to be completely honest. They ain't no Molendorfi, bro. Extremely. <laughs> no, like they're, they're so easy to keep. Um, I keep mine in ambient and pop that UV on, you know, for, a certain number of hours a day making sure to give him shade so that he can get away from it you know but god it's an easy snake honestly it's it's when things go wrong that's the problem
1: yeah yeah or or people are given horrible advice and they make it wrong inadvertently Absolutely. Un- unknowingly they unknowingly ruin everything
2: yeah yeah and i was guilty of that myself like i i got my condra, i i made a beautiful cage for it and everything. And all the while the breeder, who's actually, uh, well, the person I got it from is Brad Waffa, but, uh, it was bred by someone else. Um, can't remember at the time, um, but you know, I went home and put it in this beautiful display cage and, and Brad had been telling me and, and Shalmar, his lovely wife, uh, had been telling me this thing's been in a 15 quart tub, yes. of course, the thing doesn't eat for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And I shove it in a six quart tub because that's all I got at the time ready to go and yep first time I try it takes takes a mouse right away It's wild man it's wild how that happens you know Well Maybe. you think you know better you just need to fucking listen
3: yeah
1: yeah yeah or even still like you want it to be the best and the yes the, you, you want it you want it to be as natural as you can Meanwhile the snake's like saying to itself, just put me in the fucking jail cell." Right. Yeah. Right,
0: exactly. Where's yeah. my paper towel and my stick? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean I love to give stuff big big enclosures and everything like that, but should I deal with a lot of ball pythons still? And that's not what they want. You know, it is a rare ball python that's one that wants a four by two.
0: Don't tell the internet that.
2: I know, God forbid. Just need to stuff it full of uh everything in the world, right?
0: That's right. Make it like one of those foam pits that they use at like the gymnastics places. Just fill it up so that it just can swim. It's a giant sand boa. Through the McDonald's pits. ball pit. That's right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Complete with gonocyphal <Ghanasepha> herbalades. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> just pure me afterward. Just douse yeah. me. The mites will never find their way out. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. What is your current collection though?
2: Uh, it is, I would say predominantly pythons and rat snakes. Um, I am slimming down a little bit right now. Um, I had a terrible loss a couple weeks ago. I lost a um, six year old Southern white lit Python who was just the fucking world. Um, and that was really rough on me. And, and before that I had, I had already made the decision to slim down the collection and kind of refocus myself, um, help myself get back on top of 100% proper care, put things in in bigger enclosures and things like that. So I'm still going to keep some of the piebald ball pythons that I have to to keep breeding that because the world needs more of those. And I say that because you put that snake in front of somebody who doesn't like snakes and they're too fascinated to be scared of it. Yep. Well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. Especially a baby. Um, oh, so yeah. I will always continue to breed those. Um, it, as long as there's a market for them, as soon as I see one in an animal shelter, I'm stopping. Um, for that matter, not to say ball pythons, I'm not producing normals or pastels or anything like that. Um, I just had a clutch of Candino b- black pastel ball pythons. Um, some of Bill Stegall's animals from a little while ago. Um, but yeah, I've got some, some Asian rat snakes. I've got a few corns, uh, I have a Baird's rat snake. I actually have a couple out for show and tell. If you want, always. Yeah. yeah so <clears throat> I only got a corn and a uh, and my Bairds because I've been talking to Justin about these a little bit. Let's see here.
0: Oh, those two Bairds eggs uh, have have started to hatch as well. In other news, nice. nice. One of them is out. The other one is, is still just hanging out. In, and these the
1: were egg. the these were the unknown lineage adults?
0: The wild-caught male that Chris sent me, and then, yeah, the undocumented female. Very cool. I'm really anxious to see the one that's still sitting in the egg because I, I cut the egg after a couple of days of it not pipping after the other one, and that one looks really interesting. Just the pattern looks busier and stuff, so I'm anxious to see it. But There we go. The, the all-American rat snake
2: yeah little birds here That's right gorgeous oh yeah. oh yeah you gotta get the close ups on these animals you know you really just don't get it from seeing them from above <clears throat> but then you get one in your hands and and I'll be honest this is a female and she's uh, I'd say she's close to four years now mm-hmm. but this is about as big as she is because like we were saying last week just small meals man you try to give them yeah. too big of a meal and they're gonna start regurging yeah yeah for you sure know, too big too wet that's it mm-hmm. and then you know i thought all bets were off at one point with this girl and i, I put her da- back down to like fuzzy mice and mm-hmm. uh you know she was similar similar in size to this um and for for folks who can't see listening you're talking about a basically a three foot snake who's as thick as my thumb you know i'm not a small yeah. guy but yeah still <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah, that's. I think that's. Chris and I were talking the other day in the in the Cornsters group chat um, about that, and it's it seems to be a desert a desert species thing because it's the same with like subox and the same with yep. uh, you know um, and that kind of stuff. They just smaller, you know. They just like pretty much the way I explained it was whatever you would give a corn snake of the same size you're giving a bear that a size down from that. Yeah. Like, you know, every now and then you could push them and do something bigger, but I'm at a point now where it's like, I'm not even going to bother rolling those dice. I'm just going to give them a couple rat pups or something and call it, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So I've got some carpets and, and brettles. I've got probably the most of a singular species that I've got other than ball pythons or brettles. I got my hands on a nice hypo from uh Eric Kohler a little while ago. And that was that was my dream snake at that point, you know, well, it had been for a long time it was a hypo hypo uh, brettles, And once I got that, I was like, "You know what? I'm good." <laughs> Still so convinced,
0: man, that's that's one of the best pet snakes of all time, dude.
2: Oh, yeah. So this is a uh, little corn I got. This is one we were talking about last week and uh you know, sold to me as an email, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's an email, but there's probably some, some red factor or something going on there. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, she's, she's double clutched in a year before. Uh, as a matter of fact, we talked about the first time, uh, first time breeding a female, the first time that she bred for me, you know, she was, she was big enough and everything. She just didn't have the age to her. Mm -hmm. And I ended up actually having to, uh, palpate an egg to her vent, drain it with a syringe with my buddy Howard
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, actually palpated all the way out because she laid a bunch of slugs, you know, yeah. two eggs that looked good, but they weren't eventually. Like I said, if they're good eggs, they're, they're probably going to go the distance.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. But in her case she was just too young at the now, time and I was too anxious. Now how old is that snake you're holding right now? So this snake I got as a sub adult, I want to say about four years ago. So, okay, so just so, for the um, listeners,
1: he's got a four year old corn out right now, and it is longer and thicker than the four year old bear
2: die. Oh, by a lot.
1: By a lot. Yeah, and this is I, I just, twice the snake. So so anyone who's like, oh, I don't know, the bear's rat snake, like they have it in their mind. Like I had in my mind that the thing got like yellow rats. Like it's gonna get like seven foot and eat many. No, they get long, but they yeah. don't get
0: thick. Like they my, are long and skinny. My, biggest male bairds he's probably pushing like four four and a half feet yeah and he's like he's about as thick as my thumbs just like Jeff was saying like they are not a they're not a beefy rat snake by any means yeah
1: so it just goes to show you another another check mark on the awesome pet snake list
0: you
2: know oh yeah absolutely the the beards are an awesome snake to keep honestly I mean I, I think if if you can keep a suboc bears are going to be easier for you. Yeah. No, without a doubt. You know? Um, and if you can keep a corn snake, you can keep a it beard. It's just mm-hmm. cut that meal size in half and feed it just slightly more often, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're rocking and rolling. My mom had a sub back in the day, late nineties, early two thousands. Um, it was, you know, she liked to get some things and try them out. And, you know, we had some friends that were in the, 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 the hobby, if you will, the discipline i think zach loafman recently called it um and we didn't know a lot at the time especially about subox. you know and keeping them dry so important yeah you know, and, and when we say sub sub box sub you're talking about the uh, transpicus rat snake yeah man i uh all water I finally, bowls
1: i finally have the the room dialed in for all my desert stuff and uh the, the temperate north american colubrids they're kind of suffering so now I've, I've made human hides and changed their their enclosures but i literally let the sublock bowls dry out and that's yep. when I, once they're dried out then i take them wipe out the funk and then i add new water that way i know that it's not just festering humidity in their enclosure mm-hmm.
2: so yep with good ventilation i let my birds bowl dry out before yep. i feed it yeah you know yeah, and man. i won't give it water again after i fed it for a couple of days yeah they they're just in tune to it it's what they need
0: is what they want
2: yeah man for sure for sure yeah
1: the snake, uh, the human hide thing you, it,
0: i was i was really surprised at how many of my animals even if they weren't something that was more uh on the drier side um, you know, you give a bear's a humid hide, they're going to use it. I I gave a lot of my corns humid hides. They were in them all the time. The Dion's are all about them. Um, I actually rehydrated the one in the Jansen I set up because it had gotten dry. And I I got that nice and wet again. And as soon as I put that back in there, that female, just as soon as she figured out that it was humid again, she made a beeline for it and it was all about it. And she was in and out of it today a lot, too.
2: Um, they really love it. They really do. Yeah,
0: it's it's interesting just how drawn to it they are. You know? Now, and
2: interestingly, it, with my mandarin rat snakes, I actually just turn turn the whole tub into a humid hide.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, that's just so much of where they want to be. If you give them a human hide, they're just going to stay in it.
0: Yeah, there's. Uh, it's funny to watch just the individuals, too, because I've got some corns that if I give them a human hide, they'll use it every now and then. And I've got some that just they will live in it
2: you know i think that speaks to the the really expansive range that the corns have Mm -hmm. you know you could be talking about something that's got lineage from somewhere that's quite drier you know in comparison you know so to say like a miami locality
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know it's going to be wet down there dade county yeah you know but you you get up somewhere north like the uh the coastal plains like new jersey pine barrens and things like that you're not going to be getting that humidity you're not going to have a snake that really wants that so i think it's really interesting to see especially with the north american rat snakes that have that really expansive range you know Mm -hmm. you're talking about the pantherophis specifically you could be you could have an individual snake that wants nothing to do with what another one finds absolute paradise yeah
0: yeah it's uh it's just—it's really interesting to see what what makes use of them and what is fairly indifferent to them. You know.
2: Yeah. But have you tried um, human hides? Uh, I know you do like the ceiling hides for your rhinos. Is that right? Or is that for your chances?
0: Um, I was doing those for when I was using the the Python portal setups from Bronx yeah. Have the elevated hides. Uh, mm-hmm. But since I'm not using those currently. I saved them all. I didn't get rid of them. I'm staring at one of them and I've got like three more up in the attic and drives my wife crazy. But those were, those were used a lot. Uh, And the only reason I don't have them in with a Jansen eye is, is I don't have the space to put one with the lighting and stuff. Sure. Uh, And there's a heat pad in there that I don't even keep turned on. It's not even plugged in, but I could reasonably take that out and and hang one if I wanted to, and they would use it. Um, I'm curious
2: if you ever thought about turning one of those into a humid high up high.
0: Yeah, I never tried it with the boiga. I thought about it, but I just... I bet they'd love it. Yeah. You know,
2: being tree hollow dwellers and things like that. Yeah. Boyga, cat-eyed snakes, folks.
1: Yeah, Jeff, man, I'm I'm really happy that you keep doing that because it's something that I mean to remind us to do, and I'm glad you're doing it.
2: It's something I brought up on your Q and a, you know, a a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, you're either, you know, you can switch back and forth, of course, but you're either a Latin or a common name kind of person a lot of times. And, you know, you guys are Latin name guys. Yeah. And that's cool. I I think even if people
1: are a Latin name person, it's sometimes difficult. with people's accents or dialogue and let's face it no one's pronouncing it the correct classical latin way or you know ancient greek way so like if somebody says uh, ganyasoma and they say we've said that a lot of times tonight right ganyasoma Ganyasoma. and i go and i'm listening i'm a listener and i google and i'm like i'm spelling it ganyasama because that's what it sounds like i'm not going to find it you know what i mean but if right. we do if we do what, what you've been doing all night, which I love, and that's saying Ganya Soma, you know, Asian rat snake, they can tell you mm-hmm. a green green rat snake or, or whatever. It, it it helps that Google search or it helps that you know that sure. book that book flip through real quick. And and that's something we gotta we gotta strive to continue to do. So I like it.
2: Yeah. We had a um, recently at work, I, I work at a place called the Akiki Foundation and we we steward a a national Park property, Piscataway Park, we're looking at the shoreline ecology and things like that, and we want to start doing surveys along those things. So we had a gentleman out from the Smithsonian Institution. We're really pretty close to washington d c where I am right down the Potomac River from there and uh, you know he is the curator of bivalves for the Smithsonian Institution at the National History Museum that's cool and uh he's saying you know the the common name is common for a reason it's yeah. what people call them, you know. It's he's not he's not throwing out all these uh, Latin gr- gression names, whatever it is. He's just saying, you know, this is so and so mollusk or whatever the case is. You know, it's yeah. like there is a reason for a common name, but also there's a reason for that scientific name or that binomial name or yeah. trinomial name in some cases, yeah. because you go to a foreign country. Yep. <laughs> your common name's not going to be their common name. Yeah. Nine times yeah. out of ten. Or even here in the eastern United States. You know, Phil, what do you call a black rat snake?
1: Uh, a black rat snake?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. But you got black rat snakes, you got eastern rat snakes. Well, yeah, got... that's,
1: that's the thing, too, is, is that even even if you go off of new taxonomy, no one calls an eastern rat snake, a yellow rat snake, or even an Everglades rat snake. No one calls it Algonhensis. No. They just call it a, a yellow rat snake or a yeah. black rat snake, right? So even though we may, as nerds, know that it's Pantherophis alleghanensis, no one's calling it that. But then you also have stuff like Baird Eye or Bairds, where the common, the scientific name is the common name, you know? Yeah, so,
2: yeah I mean, all, all credit to Baird, all credit to the man yeah. just talking about the Natural History Museum in D.C. Um, it's a shit common name yeah <laughs> you know in reality let's yeah. let's go with something descriptive you know yeah. Like yeah you talk about certain species and things and it's just it's the descriptive way to, to go about it is, yeah. is really the best way when you can decipher that latin or or that greek and you can just say oh okay this this snake, this snake is supposed to be having a colorful neck or something along those lines sure sure you know and it's like yeah. all right so why don't we call it the whatever colored neck snake
1: and then, and then I feel like it also is because of our community, we, everybody has slang, everyone has shortened stuff. So like nobody, I mean, a lot of people say trans Pecos rat snake, but yeah. in the community, it's not, it's a suboc, which isn't technically the scientific name. It's the first part of the species name. So it's not even like saying subocularis, it's just shortened to suboc. But in actuality, it's the transpacos rat snake. So because we're lazy or want to talk quick, I, I don't know. We, we just say subhog,
2: Right. Absolutely. Or we say chondro. Yeah, it, it's, it, cause, we a, take it to the whole genus exactly. level. Oh, yeah. I
0: had someone that was on Instagram that was very upset that I did a shirt that said chondro python. Oh, yikes. Like he was he yeah. was, he was was out for blood. And I That's just kind of laughed. hilarious. Like, dude, it's not. It's easily, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a shirt, at least use the right nomenclature. No. I was like, Are you sure they're not still chondro Python? I thought they were. Like at that point I just start messing with them. It's like
1: Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, and that's and no one's denying the the current taxonomy. It it's just forever in our slang gonna be condros. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's it. Can you fellas still hear me? Okay. I had to switch out my headphones so I could plug in my phone here. Yeah, yeah. You said low on percentage. I right, agree. Thank you.
0: stream will over burn through some some battery.
2: Yeah, it sure did. It burned through a lot more than I thought it would. Um.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the yeah. nomenclature thing we've talked about. I mean, that for me, it's just a it's a it's spillover from from my invertebrate days, where oh, common names yeah. are not used like at all you know just by default oh yeah uh, that was
1: and now like Where now the the scorpion and and spider taxonomy that you and i grew up with because we're nerds that shit does not exist it is so it split. it is sp- and it's not split like oh we took five species and we made it seven no it's like we took five species and we made it 46 yeah so i don't even try with the inverts anymore Maybe this is me being lazy, but yeah, I don't, I just, This is too much. I don't much. even know
0: if is haplopelma even a even a thing anymore.
1: No, I don't think it is. No, and, I, and like avicularia got split into like three different gene, genera. So who knows?
0: Yeah, they got kind of weird with with avics. Yeah, I remember going
2: to a show and looking for a <clears throat> pink toed tarantula, or it, that's what it is, right? Avicularia brachypelma yeah. or no? Yep.
1: No, it's it's avicularia.
2: Yeah. Um, and, and uh, talking to a spider nerd about it and I'm going, yeah, which one? Like, Hold on yeah. a second. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I, I know it was the, the standard pink toe was Avicularia aviculara And now it's, now it's something else. I think it's something else Aviculara, Which is... Carabin- Carabina? Something. I don't know. I don't know. I
0: think the Antilles pink toes got got reclassified to carabana.
1: Yeah, but they're still versicolor.
0: Yes, I don't know. I don't know how they how they do that, especially when you're dealing with all those old world tarantulas that are all like the same shade of black, but they're somehow like 30 different species. Yep. You know. I'd, yep. That was yeah. so when I had when I was keeping haplopelma, which I think they're all now Cereopagopus, Um, I had a Von Worthy. But then it was like, is it a von Worthy or is it a Minax? And you look at pictures, and they look identical. And someone would be like, oh, well, you have to, you have to look on the underside at the at the bottom of the palps and see if it's a slightly different shape than than something else or something just ridiculous along those lines. And it's like, I'm just gonna go ahead and assume it's one or the other. Obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't know. I know I don't want to mess with it. I know I don't want to get bit by it. That's
3: right. Um,
0: you're muted, buddy.
1: As a as a pet spider, you, does it really matter? You know, like the husbandry is the same, the feeding is the same, everything's the same. You know.
2: Yeah, I've got a uh, <clears throat> uh, what is it, Brachybelma homori Now the red meat yep. tarantula, um, and I've wanted to know for a while what sex it is, and I do not have the patience. To wait for the shed, grab the shed, pull it out, look under a loop or a magnifying glass of some sort, and try to figure all that shit out. Yeah, it's just a cool spider to have, you know. And it, it's it's been around, it's kicking, it's the the easiest pet I've ever taken care of in my life.
0: How long have you had it?
2: Oof, two three years now. Okay. Yeah,
1: is its abdomen bulbous?
2: Not particularly. So I think it might be. Yeah,
1: it's probably a boy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 Which is okay with me. I don't need a spider for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing the people you can get past snakes, but you can't get past spiders.
1: Yeah, and you know what? And and that's such a good species to, to to it. it it's very much the, the like we talked about piebald ball pythons. It's a great spider to help, but at the same time, yes. if they're not even willing to get near it or even look at it, then it's all another story.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting because you have something like a bird eater that's just like a huge spider, obviously the, yeah. the largest spider in the world. And people are going to look at that the way that they look at that uh, that piebald uh, ball python. It's just, it's too yeah. fascinating to look away from. Yeah. But you know, the homori, the, the red knee, it's it's a cool spider. And for me, it was the one that was on the eyewitness books for tarantulas mm-hmm. or spiders when I was a kid. Yeah. So it was like, I need that one. That one was specifically.
1: What was the old species name? Was it S- Smith, eye? Smith, Smith Eye? Smith Eye. Smith yeah.
2: Eye. Yeah. Yeah. And there is still a Smith Eye now, but it's not. It's a different red knee. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. I always wanted some of those Aratum, man. That's a. Those flame knees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Cool. Those are cool. Those are expensive, though. Well, and
1: like I remember having uh, r- my best spider I had, like even better than the the Polkra, the Brazilian blacks, like as placid as the um now i can't remember the species name with the with the g chileans no yeah yes yeah, so so yeah. so chilean the, rose the, hair no not even the rose hairs uh, the, the chacos excuse me oh yeah mm-hmm. grandma the, the whatever i don't remember the species name but the grandma that the came the golden chaco whatever it's called
3: mm-hmm.
1: i had a huge one i had one that was bigger than my hand and that was like the pet spider and like everyone would want to hold it and play with it but it didn't look like the Smithire, forgive me, the the, the Mexican red knee. Mm-hmm. And therefore, people would be like, oh, no, get it away from me. It's, it's a big, big, creepy, and brown. But if I pulled out that red knee, even though the red knee was a dick and it would kick hairs and run away, yeah. because of the aesthetics of it, they were, they were more eager to interact with the red knee than they were the, right. the, the giant brown puppy dog. <laughs> so...
2: Uh, yeah, I mean that was my life for 15 years was <laughs> Dude, making is- the aesthetic of something more important, you know, yeah. to get people to take a look at it. So it feeds right into it. OBTs, orange bitey things.
0: OBTs are fun. Give you I've I've really considered
2: because they are they're a gorgeous spider. You- and you know, for the most part, I don't handle my Homori. You know, I don't yeah, handle my Redin. I will.
0: very much. Yeah, that's the problem. And when you do, it's I, I, not that enjoyable.
2: It was the same thing for cobalts, right? Like I was looking yeah. at uh, the cobalt tarantula and I'm like, well, it's a beautiful spider that you'll never see. I yeah.
0: think I would see mine once a quarter for about two seconds at 3 a.m. randomly on a night when I get up to go to the bathroom and that would be the extent of it.
1: Yeah. Well, Did I ever tell you about my, my cobalt tra- traumatic experience?
0: No, I don't
1: think you did. So I was working for Jay Eaton back in oh god, I don't know, two thousand six, two thousand seven, something like that. And uh, he had just got a shipment in from Malaysia, and there was like two hundred cobalt blues, and every single spider, I would say ninety percent of them were male, and every single spider was in a small black film canister. Like the little black film canisters that you'd have your Fuji oh, film. Oh, so they
0: weren't they weren't like adults.
1: It doesn't matter. It's a freaking cobalt blue. <laughs> I don't care if it's the size. Still of them,
2: got
0: the of potent them. venom. I yeah, mean, yeah, it, but yeah. it's easier to work with something smaller than a pissed off. No, adult
1: no, these were these not these were these stuffed in there, bro.
0: Yeah, you just like, pull out the, the the paper that they're there is no up
1: in. paper. It's just a loose spider. Oh, they just have yeah, you're talking about it coming
2: from Malaysia. Yeah, I'm talking You're about. lucky sp- they didn't stuff them in a Coke bottle. All right, all right. Here, here.
1: I have a standard cigarette pack. Okay, let me hold this against for scale.
2: Sure.
0: The
1: spider was as big, if not bigger, than the cigarette pack. The film canister was the size of this lighter.
0: Well, then how the hell did they they get them in the canisters?
1: Exactly. That's the psycho part. And every single film canister had a small pinhole in the top for air, but they're black, so you can't see if you it's point. It. You can't see if it's facing down. You can't see if it's facing up. You can't even see if it's alive in there. And, and there was maybe five or six of them that had, that had passed away in shipping for whatever reason, but I had containers inside of containers with welding gloves and hemostats and i had to transfer 200 friggin' lunatic cobalt blues fresh off the boat into deli cups and after i did like 150 of them i quit and i was like i'm done that's it i'm I'm, no more for me and i never touched one ever again but none of them got loose and i did all of them so
2: i mean that's that's like being handed a uh I mean it's not quite as bad but imagine being handed a, an opaque tub with a, a black mamba inside of it yeah it, you, know, you can't yeah. see where the thing is you just got to open it up best of luck to you Dude,
1: honestly i would rather deal with the mamba i would just, yeah. it's it's easier to control you know it, they can't it,
2: climb you know yeah, inverted exactly. surfaces exactly exactly
1: yeah mamas can't teleport like koal blues can right <laughs> It's loud. So for Jeff, man, how's the art coming, bro? How do you art?
2: How do you, how are, you art? I, you know, I got to do art for work and I had to do it for work for so long that I kind of rebelled against it. For a long oh. time, I was on a big sabbatical. Right. I've been doing a lot of things recently. Uh, my partner and I uh, were putting together what we're calling Persephone's Pop-Up, which is going to be a little witchy Halloween type market nice. one night thing in Southern Maryland in the woods. It's beautiful. So I've been doing a little bit more art for that cool man. um you know what i love doing art wise is like the thing that we did um shout out to slate reed um the boy uh you know ryan reed slate reed hope good things are coming to those folks yeah
0: um, yeah they're doing well being able to
2: be a part of that auction and make something meaningful yeah that's that's the shit that i'm about man
3: Yeah, you know I, i
2: love doing stuff like that um i love art that has an impact and really the past few years for me has been stopping trying to be you know the the gouache paintings that we saw in these nature books as we were kids and making the most perfect representation of of something like i got there i could do it um but that's not fulfilling. Yeah. 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 You know, um you you're just a a really talented Xerox machine. And I right. feel like <laughs> and I, I,
1: I feel like although we love and appreciate those old extreme realism, we have such advancements in photography now that you almost don't need, I I don't want to say you don't need it because you should always have it, but for you to be able to expand and have more artistic expression in it and make it a little more unique. I'm, I'm with you. I get it.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's really the stuff that speaks to people too is because what people want out of art is really something emotional. They want an emotional experience. And some of us, you know, some of us are the nerds that look in the book and we go, that animal right there is the animal that I want to own. And I am inspired for the rest of my life to keep that absolutely so many of us do that from a photograph now like you're saying phil and i think at a certain point i put so much more of my representative artwork into photography and sort of took myself a different way uh, or trying to take myself a different way with less representative more abstract more emotional more conceptual things but i'm not ready to share it with the world quite yet and just like the rest of us, especially us reptile folks, we're typically pretty bad about sharing what's going on in our lives on social media, things like that. I ditched Facebook must've been six or seven years ago. I've still got a dummy profile on there. Don't like me. Don't be my friend. I won't accept it. Um, so good luck Funny. Um, Hands of Jeff as a Facebook page, uh, art page or whatever has been, seriously neglected for the past few years um and i have no intention of getting back to it sorry everybody
0: it's because facebook um, so. sucks
2: yeah yeah it does and social media sucks you know let's be honest it's you're you're taking techniques that end end people's lives in rehab and you're putting them into you know social media yeah but I i right
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in real quick and say that oh. <laughs> that If it wasn't for a lot of social media, we may not know the people that we know and cherish in our lives right now. We may not have gained the knowledge of some things that we've that we've learned or experienced or what have you. So I love our social media, but the the influencers and the the viral videos and the trends, uh, the fake shit, the fake shit. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But I think look, that's look what I can tell like. all the shit I want. I wouldn't yeah. be here talking to you boys if it wasn't for social media. Yeah, I don't know. That's exactly.
0: Thought, I thought Phil was about to rant as to like setting up the Venom Exchange radio page because I mean, Facebook sucks in the regard of like page management management and stuff. Oh now. yeah, they, I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. Make it worse and worse. Like they keep yeah. doing it thinking they're making it easier for everybody but it's just getting more and more confusing and it's to the point now to where it's like if stuff doesn't get posted to facebook on the pages and stuff i'm like whatever i don't care anymore like i'm tired of having to use the meta business suite to do anything on a page like it's just it's so convoluted and it's so over the top now like
1: i felt like such an old fud because i couldn't figure out how to delete the 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 bad page that I had just made five minutes prior. Yeah. Like I was like, I was like, I don't like this. This is the wrong layout. I need to do the business one. Blah 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 blah. I could not I had to Google how to delete a Facebook page. And like I'm I'm I mean I'm not the most tech savvy guy, but come on.
2: Yeah and I mean I lost a lot of people off of Facebook. I lost a lot of really good connections when I ditched it to be honest and and there are plenty of times that I want it back. Right, there are plenty of times that I'm like, man, I wonder what's going on in this person's life, that person's life. This is where they share photos, this is where the conversations are really happening. And I do feel like, especially as a member of the reptile community, that I'm missing out on that because it's where those things are happening. It's where so many of those conversations are happening. Especially now. Like that may change in the future, but right now it's it's where it's at. Yeah. And yeah. I guess for me, it's really it's not um Sort of abolishing that system, so to speak, it's really more finding the balance of not allowing it to be gamifying my life, yeah, where I'm posting something and chasing this, that and the other. and I was getting there to a certain point with Instagram um, I've got a number of followers on Instagram, but um it was it was getting to the point where they were changing the algorithms that you had to really. Put yourself in the way that they want you to do things yeah. you know and they're it's, they're pushing it's, it's content to get
0: play and you have to you you want to get seen you have to buy ads like they it took them a long time to to finally get around to making that the route things go but that's that's 100 how it is now it's like you want to the, the days of like organic reach and things like that are are definitely not they're a thing of the past, I think it's not. And they keep yeah. saying they're they're trying to figure out a way to make it more organic for people, it's like it's crap. Wow. Like if I give you twenty dollars for an ad for a week, you're gonna all of a sudden I'm gonna get all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's crap. Yeah, and,
1: and they're so and desperately Facebook, no, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry.
0: No, no, please, Phil. No, I
1: was just gonna say that they're desperately trying like Instagram, for example. I love Instagram because we have the ability to communicate with each other and we're sharing our experiences, we're sharing our photos. And that's why I got into Facebook to begin with, was to, to do that. So now I finally have a platform that is everything that I'm looking for out of it. However, going back to Smitty's ads, every third picture from my friends is trying to sell me something, trying to sell me something, yep. trying to sell me something. And then I find out that they're doing all the, like the reels, right? And they're trying to compete with TikTok. And people's attention span has gone from being an, a five-minute attention span to a 15-second attention span. Sure. But it didn't matter what hashtags I put or what taglines I put, it was the music. And I would have mm-hmm. a video that was me with this amazing creature right in, in the wild. And I got the, the 20 or 30 views and likes from my friends. That was the sole purpose of posting it, it was to share it with our, our, our community. Right. But then another video was like me showing off tweezers. It's like, look at these tweezers in case anyone wants to know these are good tweezers. And because of the music I picked, it had ten thousand views, and that just goes to show you. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing or what I'm writing. It's the the song I picked happened to Cardi B makes
0: people. the difference, yeah, man. There you go, there
2: you go, Meg Thee Stallion, right, Justin? Oh, oh, what yeah. were you saying? What were you saying? <laughs> Sorry, right, man. Oh no, not at all. No, I uh, I agree with you hundred percent. I think you really touched on some of the points that I was that I was going to make there. So, well said. Thank you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and Lisa's got a great point. You know, it it's where the conversations are happening, and it is it's a great resource for that. If you are cautious about what you're putting your energy into,
0: yeah, I'm
2: not. <laughs> not always, I should say.
0: Yeah, I, I just Instagram being so much simpler to to navigate and use and stuff, and especially on the on the side of like business pages and things like that. I just find it so much easier to deal with that than Facebook. And, and sure.
1: Don't get me wrong. As much as I bitch about the ads and them trying to shove stuff down my throat and buy this and buy that, I, I'm pretty guilty of buying some cool shit off Instagram. I will say that. And like, no doubt. I had
2: some bitching stickers coming the other day.
1: Yeah. And like, dude, like some stuff I didn't even know existed. I'm like, Oh my God, I need that in my life. I'm Oh, I can link my PayPal. Okay. No problem.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Lisa, there is no good way to search on Instagram. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Something
0: I, I think about a lot is to like, is social media overall a, a, a good thing? Is it neutral? Is it not great? And I don't know. I It seems to be, depends on the day as to my feelings on it. Um, I think if you're in a lot of groups on Facebook, it's very easy to get trapped into the sort of this mental cycle of, you know, the hobbies going down the tubes, everything's horrible. You know, the world is, is crashing. It's an echo chamber. Yeah. Very much so. And this is like, you get out of the groups and you just, you're going to make your life a lot easier. You know, that's what I did at least.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I look at it, you know, I always talk to people. I used to be a teacher for a little while. Um, And I would always tell students and things I grew up in the public school system. This is, you know, it's not a particularly affluent County that I'm from. It's right outside of DC that, uh, I'm originally from. And I tell people the public school system is what you make it, you know? And I I would say absolutely the same thing is true of any social media. Yeah. The tools are there to make it fantastic for yourself. And the tools are also there to make it a living hell for yourself.
1: Yep. Yeah. well well said man well said
2: but uh snakes right
1: yeah dude that's that's why we're on there that's why we're on there
2: yeah yeah i mean and when they did away with the animal sales i really saw a big downturn in the engagement that was happening and you know there was a lot that people were trying to do behind the scenes with their emojis and things like that but facebook quickly caught on to a lot of that stuff
1: well and that's that's something else that i couldn't figure out was you you're not allowed to sell living creatures okay i can understand that i i i can get that from multiple different points of view but you can buy a gimp suit from wish well that, that's that's uh, <laughs> completely unrelated and yes you can um <laughs> zed's dead um We see what kind of ads are coming up for Smitty. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for saying that out loud. Now Instagram's listening in my pocket. Jeez, I'm going to get all kinds of zipper ads. Um, Check out these new KKY zippers.
0: Um, (laughs) Spice up sex night with this Slipknot mask set.
1: (laughs) You yourself can be Joey Jordanson for a night. Right. Um, (laughs) You have his snare drum, don't you?
0: Role play as clown. Um, No, I had some of his... ProMarks when he was with Pro. Oh, okay, wow, okay. I thought you all... had his snare drum. I always wanted his snare drum. Anyway,
1: um, <clears throat> I digress. So now now I lost my thought. Damn it.
0: You were buying things off Facebook.
1: No, no. We're, oh, that's right. That's right. We're talking about recommendations. How not not allowed to sell living creatures on social uh, media. Okay, cool. I understand that. But people are will put, you know, hey, I have these available. Hit me up. Cool. Totally harmless. You know, and only yeah. the people that are interested in that animal are gonna hit them up. Rock and roll. But then they get mad. And it's like then you then that slips into that serious inquiries only. Well, that makes me not want to message you at all. Enjoy your animal. You know? Yep. So sorry, I that was like a micro soapbox, my apologies.
2: No, absolutely. You're absolutely right though. And we talked about that a little bit last week. Drew. Yeah. It's just yeah. like get off your fucking soapbox, get off your eye horse. Yeah. You know, come join the rest of us. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. what are you thinking about yourself that you're too good to respond to a message? Like, I totally get it if the message is either a penis or, a, you know, a, a how much message. Right. But at the same time, sometimes that's all. Well, not not the dick pic, but sometimes that all people have time for is how much, you yeah. know, or is yeah. this item is this animal still available? Or you know, or people much. are shy, man. You know, people have social anxiety; they don't want to send a message. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can understand that.
1: I can understand that.
2: But at the same time, it's also your own personal boundaries. You know, you set the boundaries on what you're going to deal with. And if, if you don't feel like answering to it, then fuck them. Yeah. You know, and if you, if you want to go out and make a tirade about, you know, t- no tire kickers, low ballers, no looky lose or anything like that, then, you know, enjoy your snakes for the next few years. Yeah, exactly. Best of luck to you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I use the eye roll emoji more than any other emoji. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Have you always been artistically inclined?
2: You know, I wasn't until about middle school. Um, I was I was one of those that could uh, probably pull off a hieroglyphic or two, as Phil was talking about earlier. Um, and then I guess it was a little bit of confidence that that came into it, and you know, somebody saying, "Hey." I kind of like that. Why don't you, why don't you try a little more, you know, and getting that encouragement, man, that can be so tough for kids. Right. Is yeah. there's so many people out there that are probably keeping a sketchbook themselves that are too scared to show someone what's in it. Of course. Um, and, and not even just to get advice, but just to be encouraged. You know, I see pe- people with photos or, or drawings or things like that, that end up on the internet or quite frankly, don't. Um, And it's like, well, you know, someone told me to post this and it's like, well, I'm, I'm so glad that they did. Yeah. You know, I try to follow uh, aspiring artists as well on Instagram and, and, you know, just be in life and on social media, just as real of a person as I can be, but be supportive. You know, there's so many, so many voices in the world that are kicking you while you're down, you know, what's, what's it hurt to uplift somebody to be like, Hey, that's neat. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Keep going. I wanna see more of this. I wanna see more of what you do. And I think, I think part but, of that, of course, is, but, you know, thinking of how I was treated when I was younger, you know, and what we need. Sorry, Schmidt. Mm-hmm. go ahead.
0: Well, like with art in particular, you know, that's that's for a lot of people that's such a personal thing and to sort of absolutely open that up to, to interpretation or criticism from other people is is kinda of, kinda of scary for some people and not, you know, It's the it's kinda like doing a podcast.
3: Yeah. You know, the
0: first first, about first couple times you do it, you're like, This is this is horrible, people are gonna hate it, like I don't want it and then it's like people sort of they're like, Hey, I dig it. And you're like, Oh, maybe maybe we don't suck as much as I thought we did. Like
2: Right, maybe this is worth pursuing.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and look where you are now. Almost two hundred episodes on both shows. You know, and you got a whole fucking network and clothing company and everything. Sometimes I just hope that you do and Phil, you as well, and, and Jake and the crew do look back on it and say, damn, I'm doing a good job. Yeah, man. You know, honestly, I, I don't think, it, it's not patting yourself on the back. You know, I've always had that bias against myself of being too cocky. Yeah, it's not patting yeah. yourself on the back. It's looking at your accomplishments. And sometimes, you know, people like myself, people like others, they need you to point it out to them. You know, especially when you're in a certain mood or anything. But Goddamn, look back at what y'all have accomplished and, you know, congratulate yourself for it.
1: Yeah, man. Dude, it still gets me, man, from time to time. It does. It, yeah, really, it really does, man. Especially I now, mean, like.
2: Marco O'Shea, Phil. I know. It's crazy. You know, I, I did finish listening to the part one of the interview and it was fantastic. Congratulations on that. Thanks, man. Huge, I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's huge. I really yeah, appreciate and, and, that. You know what I really enjoyed about it so much is he seemed to enjoy himself on the podcast. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: And I will say, and I'll toot your horn a little bit. And it's not blowing smoke up your ass. I put the cigar <laughs> down a little while ago when I dropped it in my fruit punch. I, I but, saw
1: your face and I knew it. I was like, oh my god, he just ashed in his drink. Oh, he just ashed in his. No, drink. the
2: whole cigar went in my drink. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> I was oh, using sorry. it as a stand, but then it got too sharp. Oh but, no, so I'm still yeah. drinking it. Don't worry. Okay, but good. um, <laughs> I've heard Marco O'Shea on podcasts before. And yeah, he's he's having a good time because he's talking about snakes. But with y'all, with you and Nipper, it was it was a pub. Yeah. You know, there should have been a pint in front of you all having the discussion because it seemed like that type of conversation. It was so down to earth and it was so like, I'm gonna geek out over these little dirt snakes. And you know, you started talking about (laughs) the stilettos and you could hear him light up. Yeah. Talking about that kind of stuff. You know and that was awesome that was awesome to hear and again congratulations to you, and you nipper man. on that i know i know nipper brought him from a familiar yeah. place and it probably opened him up a little bit more and but most definitely please don't most definitely. please don't discount your own contribution to that phil because you're nerding out over you know these niche species is what really got him going in some of those instances thank you so much bro i really i really like legit really
1: appreciate that man
2: i do yeah absolutely man can't wait for part two talking yeah, about man. popular and everything oh yeah. it's
1: gonna be awesome it's gonna
2: be awesome yeah, yeah and yeah the shit you're doing with venomous i get videos and stuff like it has been helpful to me already having to move copyrights off the road cool man i'm so. glad that's awesome that's why i made them
1: so hopefully yeah, someone go. can get something out of it i really appreciate
0: that sincerely yeah, absolutely bro. Cool, I asked see. about the the artistic inclination thing in particular because like I can't draw to save my life but I've wondered are you able to learn at a later stage in life how to draw well and like do things like that I yes. think so it seems like one of those things where if like you're really good at it from a very young age you just naturally like got it but if you don't you don't
2: but right now you're speaking to representative artwork you're speaking to you know what some people actually even consider a more primitive form of artwork which is just very representative of what you're seeing and that's how if you ever have a formal education in art because I did go to art school I went to college for design um, and they will teach you to draw what you see right but what they don't tell you is it's not just what you see on paper. It's not just what you see in front of you. It's what you see in your head. And you don't always have to see with your eyes, right? We talked a little bit more about the abstract art and things like that. And you know, sharing that with the world can be much more difficult for someone who's doing art that they feel, but they don't feel like somebody is gonna pick up on the aesthetic of it.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: what some people want and what some people get so passionate about in art is, isn't the way that it looks. It's what it makes them feel when they see it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I think that the intersection of those two, the way that it looks and how it makes people feel when you get that kismet, that's what ends up in a museum. You know, that's mm-hmm. what ends up at a gallery is, is just bringing those things together. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you decide to pursue that path and, you know, I've reached out to you before to offer you any sort of mentorship that I can in that way. And I, I stand by that 100%. Um, and, and that goes for anybody. Absolutely. It goes for anybody that wants to get into that sort of thing. And you can learn the techniques, man. You know, representative artwork is just technique. You know, if you can learn to hold a hook and, and you know, you can make a, you can make a Cobra ride a hook. That's technique. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Yes. I mean, like more yes. Talent. There's talent like the people that are able to draw portraits very quickly and it's like maybe they didn't have any sort of formal schooling or something they just like they're able to to see it and then put it on paper which like i can do that kind of thing with photography where it's like i can have a very clear picture of what i want that photo to be as far as like angle placement lighting and like i can get from a to b no problem but i look Mm -hmm. at like people that can draw and do like realism and as far as paintings and stuff. And it's like, I feel like there has to be some certain threshold of, of you just naturally being able to look and re- like make that on the spot. That you there is, be. man. Like, it's just, I don't, I don't there something. is,
2: but it's a, ta- it, it's, it's an intersection of talent and hard work. Yeah just like being good at anything. It's an intersection of talent and hard work. I draw every day of my life. You know, I I get people that ask me uh, often about learning how to draw and like, how do you do it? You know, so on and so forth. And I say, you just have to do it. You know, the more you do it, the better you're gonna get at it. It's just like- How
1: do do you get to Carnegie Hall?
2: That's right. You practice, you practice, you practice. yeah, Yeah, that's right. Nowadays, nowadays <laughs> it's all about your, your followers, right? Yeah, yeah. Follow and, like,
0: and I mean, like, what we talked about with the graphic design stuff and, like, the Fulvia stuff. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I you know, we were talking about it, and I was like, honestly, like, in your professional opinion, is the stuff that I've been doing for Fulvius like, worth the shit? Because the imposter syndrome thing is very real for me. Oh, yeah. Because I don't consider myself an artist because I'm basically making...
1: Can I, can I say see? Collages. I I'm making
0: collages. No, but see, you're so not, that, make, you're not making... Like, to me, you're it's not, like... Because I can't physically... Like, if you gave me a piece of paper and said, Justin, draw that business design you have on a shirt, I couldn't do it.
2: Yeah, but for, just because... Phil, can I shut him down for a second? Can I it, shut him down? I know, I know what some, you're going to say, man. For some
0: reason, reason... I know what you're going to say. No, no, no. If I can't draw it and I can't do that kind of art, for some reason... That does not make you an artist, in my opinion. It is one of those things where it's like, if I can put it together in Photoshop because I'm cobbling some things together, sure. But it's like, Smitty.
1: tell him, tell him. Jeff. Have you
0: heard
2: the name Henri Henri Matisse? Pardon my terrible French. The pro wrestler. Yeah, that guy. Uh, he wrestles in all kinds of museums, just right up on the walls. Uh, it's a collage artist. It's a but does famous that count? collage because artist.
0: You're, you're- you're not making the source Material you're just Cutting yeah, it and so taking what? an Elmer's glue It doesn't, stick it doesn't matter it On what? a piece of paper I, don't, I...
1: It doesn't matter man you... because you took You had the eye to see Putting those pieces Together to make the, the To make the art that is in front of us Right Yep. I
2: mean yep. That's it As soon as you open your eyes Out of your mother's womb You are reinventing the wheel as soon as you see something you are not beyond the influence of it that's it you're always going to take influence you're always going to take imagery that you see somewhere else that's going to become your style that's going to become your brand and i'll tell you on day one of my internship as a graphic designer when i was in my junior year of college i came there and you know one of the one of the bigger designers that was at the spot that i was at said cool you're an artist but can you design design graphic design especially is not art there is an artistic flair to it there's an artistic element to it but it's it's aesthetic but it's not art and i'll tell you there are people that make their whole living choosing color palettes and looking at you know the things that you're putting together for fulvius and everything that's design it's 100% design. Call yourself a designer if you want to, like uh, like Randy's saying. You know, Call yourself a designer then, not an artist. You don't have to be an artist to be a designer.
1: I still think he's an artist, whether he likes it or not.
2: I, I agree. Yeah. And I think that color theory is so much more of an art than people realize. Being able to put two colors together that people want to look at, much less adding a third or a fourth. that's tough work fonts typefaces all those decisions every single one of those is a decision just like a a sketch artist putting their pencil to the paper yeah each one of those marks is a decision and each one of those point size increases each one of those typefaces each one of those colors palettes shapes that you're using is a decision and that's why i look at somebody like matisse or jean michel basquet that you know is more of an abstract artist they're also decisions that are being made and when you put them together well people respond to it and i think you've seen that you know they're not just buying your shit because your personality bud
1: i was gonna say we've all had that friend from high school who said i'm gonna sell cupcakes and everyone goes and buys a cupcake and they're like "Mm, this is delicious Bob you did a great job and then he never sells a cupcake ever again that's not the case man people are buying your stuff because they find it aesthetically pleasing because they they like it they want not not just because they're your buddy or they listen to the show per se it's good shit man you know
2: yeah absolutely absolutely it is and you gotta credit yourself for that honestly you do. You got to yeah, take man. credit for it. And I know as someone who really struggles taking compliments and taking credit for myself, I'm right there with you. like, there's times like I designed this t-shirt that I'm wearing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times that I look at it and I go, shit, I could have fixed so many things about that. You know, and in my mind, I'm, I'm looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, but how many people bought it? It wasn't just for us art. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the thing you got to look at Smitty is repeat customers, like phil was talking about yeah everything you can sell you can sell everything one time can you sell it again Uh, better
1: yet not only are people buying it because they're enjoying the artistry of it but they're eager to see what's coming out next they're yeah that in itself like they're 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 i hate using the word thirsty because it's so modern and distasteful contrary to the Mm -hmm. the the synonym but People
0: cool are, kids are saying pe- these days. people
1: are people are eager to see what's next with Fulvius like, you know what I mean yeah.
0: like it, it's it's art yeah. man I love it
2: and even if, even if, if you don't don't paint yourself in that light Smitty. <clears> right the reason that you're doing it that I can determine I, I haven't talked to you about why you're doing it but I'm gonna I'm gonna pin it right here the reason that you're doing it is because nobody else is yeah yeah right I mean that's part of it is is nobody's making cool ass sub hats hats yeah. or OKD or you know alterna hats or shirts or things like that. But people want them. Yeah. So fuck man, you found your niche.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: You know, feel free to stay outside of your lane, but also if it's comfy, ride
0: it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. Absolutely. I love
0: it. Um, and I, I was it's it's um I won't call myself an artist necessarily I won't call myself a designer necessarily it's just I don't know why my 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 feelings on it are I guess warped because it's one of those things where it's like illustrator like we talked about illustrator yeah I know very 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 little about illustrator I use it for one particular section of my job and that is it I need to know how to mm-hmm. learn illustrator more If I'm going to call myself an artist Let me ask designer, you this. Let me I feel you like this. I should probably know Illustrator way more than I do to be able to say, walk into a crowd and be like, yeah, I'm an artist, man. Do you need to know
2: Illustrator more or do you need to know what you want to do in Illustrator?
0: Uh, both.
2: See, this is what I tell people, especially about Adobe Creative Suites. Adobe Creative Suites is an amazing tool or a set of tools, right? You've got Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator, all these design tools for that illustrator love it love the program i don't know how to do half the shit in illustrator and i worked in it for 15 years professionally there's too much to it photoshop's the same way there's too much to it but at the same time there's just enough to it because the half that i'm using not using somebody else is right i need to know what i need to be able to do in it and especially when you're talking about photoshop and people just getting into it I always encourage people figure out what you want to do and then figure out how to do it. Yeah, Right. And, and we say stuff. the same thing about,
0: go ahead. It's a very steep learning curve with all of it. And I mean, that was the case with InDesign when we were doing, you know, uh, HM, you know, the first yeah run, um, pretty much getting InDesign and not having a clue where to start with it and having to learn it myself was, a, you know, that was a, a big thing and unfortunately I don't remember a lot of it now so if we ended up going back to InDesign I'd pretty much be starting over um,
2: but well you got me here brother
0: the uh, we're just going to rock Canva I think with the new bringing it back just because it's a
2: really powerful stuff. tool there's a lot of people using I freaking Canva really love well. Canva yeah.
0: I use Canva and Photoshop together because like Canva does some things that Photoshop just doesn't do as well or it's much more time-consuming to get the final result out of Photoshop like even just warping text around a circle or something like in Canva it's like that in Photoshop you got you know make the circle make the path all that stuff so together I mean I think you really don't need much more than that but I don't know I just
2: yeah I would say the same thing about Canva as anything Adobe is just figure out what you want to do first you know and then throw it at the paper after that Or the digital paper if you will yeah man but you know it's it's similar to snake keeping right it's similar to keeping reptiles because you don't learn how to take care of fossorial species arboreal species semi-terrestrial semi-arboreal so on and so forth all of these things like florida wants you to do for your venomous permit right phil but um you don't learn how to do that you learn how to keep the species you want to keep yeah
1: yeah, and we used right. to we and used to force. Better you do that. We used to force people. And when I had the class in Underground, uh, we used to at Underground's retail store. We had a, a venomous training class so that people could get their hours to apply for the Florida license. People would come in and say, "Okay, I only want to keep rattlesnakes, so I'm only going to get hours for rattlesnakes." And we would tell them, "No, you're going to handle everything because not only is it going to make yeah. you that much of a better keeper, you may find something that you didn't know you were looking for." you know and so many people Absolutely. said oh i i love gaboon vipers and then they handled gaboon vipers for a whole year and they're like you know what they're not for I me man gaboon vipers. Yeah. yeah they're not for me i like i like something else you know or whatever but now yeah. they have all that knowledge base that they didn't have and they didn't want to have or they didn't think they they didn't think they wanted it and they realized that it was good that they got it
2: you know yeah yeah i mean how many people came in wanting a gaboon and ending up with a monocle
1: how many people something. how many people wanted a gaboon and then wound up getting something
2: completely off the,
1: like a like a, a green tree a pit viper yeah
2: or, or, or who knows you know malaysian yeah yeah or or they
1: something. wanted the cobra because they saw it on instagram with the hood and, and showing and then they realized that no it's just a colubrid the poops more you know it's not well, my yeah. cup of if, tea is
2: if lisa's still in the chat she'll tell you the same thing about white lips yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. you see the Instagram video of a white lip, but you don't see all the time you're getting bit trying yeah. to handle them.
1: You yeah. know. Yeah. Or or the the TLC that's required to keep them properly.
2: Yeah, know? but I mean a gaboon, it's it I think a lot of times it ends up like a Conjurer, like a green tree python. It's just it's so easy to keep. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's not even uh, that. It's like, it's like I'm going to make a picture it... that'd be just as interesting. Exactly.
1: Exactly. It's like, okay, I made this badass, awesome enclosure with leaf litter, and you don't see the snake. Yeah. It's just that's it's
0: the just... whole point. Yeah, you exactly. You see an eyeball. And that's a... Yeah.
1: You see a twitching, yeah. quivering eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just to go back to what somebody was saying, I personally feel like, you know, Smitty is an artist. He may not be drawing the snake on the print per se line for line, but like when, when Chagall broke out charcoals, people criticized him. Mark Chagall, when they, when he broke out charcoals, people criticized him for not having any line structure. And he's like, but that's not the point. It's, 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 it's the feeling like you were talking about earlier. It's the emotion, it's the feeling of it across the, across the canvas. And you could yeah. see what he's doing. Why do I have to have a border? Why do I have to have an outline? I mean, obviously, it was a long time ago. People thought differently, but it, same thing, man. Just because you're not,
0: quote unquote, putting pen to paper, it's still art, man. I don't the know that there art
2: is how you translate the image.
0: Yeah. There has to be a line drawn somewhere because. When we're at a point where a banana duct taped to a wall is all of a sudden worth no
1: that's however not,
0: many tons of millions of dollars
1: that's called money laundering
2: that's not what yeah, we're talking that's about.
0: that's the scam that's, <laughs> that's, we're, we're, if, that's money laundering for anybody
2: that doesn't know <laughs> let me tell you how money, money laundering and tax evasion works in the art world yes uh feel free <laughs> rich people have money and they have taxes and and the taxes they don't want to pay right so they buy a piece of art from an artist and they say, I'm going to give you $5 million for this piece of art. And now I'm going to lend it to the museum. And now that I've lent it to the museum, I'm going to have a tax write-off for the credit of having that piece in the museum, which I've basically decided the value that I'm going to pay to put into it. Now, meanwhile, you're probably going to give me a lot of gifts as an artist. You know, you're probably going to do a lot of things for me as an artist because I'm the one that puts you on the scene. I'm the one that got you in the museum, you know. So you're going to scratch my back, definitely. I might lose that five million dollars, but every year in the museum, I'm getting a tax write-off for your piece being in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, and at the same time, though, I will say this: let's not confuse that with a legitimate piece of art from a, a commodity investment point of view. Because, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think like there's more Rembrandts freely available than like any other classical artist something something to that extent i'm not sure
2: it's rembrandt but yeah absolutely yeah
1: okay so and like and you know you can you can get a rembrandt for what would be considered a reasonable amount of money right there's picasso's all over the world yeah exactly there's picasso's a name that everyone knows picasso's all over the world and if you've got the scratch you can buy it and you can enjoy it and then when the time comes and you want to sell it you can make money because it is a finite number it is a commodity that's not what we're talking about we're talking about the banana yeah. duct tape to a wall. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I, I think that's what's so difficult for us. And we run into this in culture and, and I'm going to keep circling it back. Yeah.
1: Now. Go for it. dude. But go we
2: run into this in culture all the time. And that's where do we draw the line? Yeah. Well, I got news folks. The world is a spectrum. There's no lines. Yeah. You know, you may be putting down lines on your paper, but it, the whole world is a spectrum. So it, if I was to say everybody is an artist, it's 100% true. You yeah. know, everybody has that capacity within them and everybody does something in their life artistically. And so to say that you're an artist, I could be blowing smoke up your ass, or I could be saying 100% the truth, or I could be undermining what I'm actually trying to say by it. The, the label is not what matters, the work is what's out there. And I'm sorry yeah. to say, buddy, but you're making work. And, and you're doing graphic design, so at the very least you're a designer. And like Phil was saying, I think when it comes to like color selections and patterns and things like that, I think you're talking about art at that point, my friend. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think we do the same thing in snake keeping and herpetoculture, in any aspect of even um, animal hobby or, or dedication, is that we want to draw these lines. And they're, they just don't exist. The difference between a good keeper and a bad keeper could be a bad day yeah, or a good day. Yeah. You know, it's, we all are living a life on a spectrum. It's not, it's not black and white and it's not that simple. So you keep making your art. I'll keep making my art. And I think we'll both make the world a better place. And I'll keep buying the shirts. There you go.
1: And I've, I was talking to Billy Hunt before the show, and I had no idea that you made his Ubami logo. Uh,
2: I need to be completely upfront and honest about it. I did not make his Ubami logo, but oh, okay. I did um, what some people uh, come to me for, which is making their logo better. Oh, cool. Excellent. Or remaking their logo. So yeah, I, I've done I love a number logo. of logos. Yeah, he's he he had a good logo to start with. He had a great concept to work off of, yeah. and that makes it that makes a huge difference. Again, talking about what you're doing there, Schmidt, with Folius Apparel, you know, you got a great concept to work off of, like Billy did with Uguvami, and you know, we were able to make a really pleasant, um, not just logo, but overall appearance. You know, we talked about. Um, his displays and things like that and he really did a great job of incorporating the colors and the logo into different aspects of his displays that's beyond what we talk about with logos and we talk about branding so in the design world you're getting past the point of just doing a logo a treatment a splash if you will but you're talking about what colors go along with it what fonts um, what shapes even is this a more of a geometric shape or more of a curvilinear shape yeah man you know
1: um, and, you, and you see it with billy's display like anyone who's seen billy hunt's ubami reptiles show display at a reptile show whether it be a daytona or tinley and he'll, he'll be at tinley this year for those who are going to go check it out um it you have these these earth tones of brown and green and tan and the bamboo leaves and it's very um in the negative where you can see the you can see the shape of the bamboo but it doesn't have that line structure it's very very negative in appearance and his his uh his deli cups when you when you get an animal from him they have a brown liner with his with the ubami you know the Japanese kanji in the middle and yeah it just it, the, it it's a it's a full motif and I, I think it's awesome
2: yeah Billy did he's again this is somebody we talk about someone as an artist you know Billy's got the flair for it right he's yeah. he there's something that he's got in his eye and his aesthetic that he can see. Beyond his display and his branding, but actually into his snake breeding. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about somebody who's dedicated to the look of the snakes, like Billy is in a lot of cases, not to say anything about his care, he takes wonderful, wonderful care of his animals. Incredible, incredible person when it comes to animal keeping, but he has such an eye for what he wants aesthetically in the snake. Yeah. And that's someone who is really flirting with art a lot at that point right and oh, i yeah. think we do it we do it ourselves like phil i know you're not a huge morph guy but you know you like the look of certain animals like absolutely you, know, you, you talk about squams or something like that you probably got it's a favorite gone, color
1: yeah absolutely yeah. and yeah. dude like and and we all we all bust balls about ball pythons but like what you said earlier with the piebald like of I've, I've had a handful of ball pythons over the years but dude the piebald's still my favorite it is just something yeah. captivating about it and maybe it is Each individual animals artistry because no matter how much whites there how much patterns there how many smiley faces on the side it's always
2: unique and it's always fun and uh, and, uh, highly beautiful it really is it really is and they're so cute when they're babies oh yeah honestly you you just play into the serotonin boost oh for sure for sure (laughs) that's great yeah absolutely Uh, well boys we're at the two hour mark Is there anything else you guys want to touch base on? Shoot, I've got so much I could talk to you guys about all night, but I don't know. I think we do another one at some point.
0: Oh, for Another two hours. Let's go. (laughs)
2: Let's go. Cody, Pia, you got nothing on this one. Nice, nice. (laughs) No, no, I've got it in me, but I don't think my phone does, gentlemen. Fair enough, fair enough. It's going to overheat at some point.
1: (laughs) That's good stuff,
2: man. Good stuff. But I, I do want to say, you know, if anybody's going down that path or, or feeling down in that way, you know, down in the dumps about your work or anything like that, drop me a line. Um, I'm in, on Instagram, Phil or, or, or Justin. They'd be happy to give out my information if that's something that you wanted to do as far as contacting Absolutely. me. Um, you know, always, always there to give a bright voice when I can, because you never know when somebody's going to need it.
0: Yeah love it, man. Right. If anybody's curious, I have his social security number and his credit card numbers. I <laughs> will give those out to the highest bidder. <laughs> That's
2: right. Uh, Good man. luck getting anything out of it. <laughs> I have snakes, friends. That means I don't have money.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's our fucking life. Oh, geez. Yeah.
0: Where yeah. should people follow you?
2: You know what? You don't need to. The world's a great place. Go outside, look at your snakes. You know, if you want to look at me, uh, Instagram, I got some things on there. I don't post all that often. Uh, Hands of Jeff on Instagram. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man, that's good stuff. It was. Yeah, absolutely.
0: This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out Facebook, Instagram. Use code THN with that same THN checkout code. And use it at com. That's the special code just for THN listeners and viewers like you. Puget Sound Pythons, the fine folks of the Pacific Northwest. Go give them a follow on Facebook and Instagram. Follow them on Morph Market. Cold-blooded caffeine. Get yourself some coffee. Stay awake. Use the link down below and uh, help us out. Yeah.
2: All these things up here at the top of the screen, they're doing awesome rad stuff. view Apparel, Black Box, Puget Sound Pythons. They're doing rad shit. Check them out.
0: Yeah.
1: Well Absolutely. said.
0: Um, don't know if what the what the deal is with THP this week. Got to figure it out. we we'll got some scheduling things to sort. Um, but it'll be a one-on-one because it'll be episode 200. And, Excellent. And other than that, I don't think there's anything else lined up in particular, but uh, thank you all. We'll see you later. Bye.